visitors and all the regulars are going to give you a warm round of applause to make you feel welcome. Good to have you here at the church this morning. Thank you also for tuning in if you tuned in on Instagram or Facebook this morning. We understand it's windy and there's a storm on the radio but, um, but uh, I want to say this to everybody who's gathered here inside in this room. Well done you for getting up and going to the house of God. Though the winds may blow and the floods may rise. Our house is built on the rock that is Jesus. Will you give yourselves a round of applause for coming out on a stormy morning? Now it is said, and I think it's true, that life is a journey. That we are all on a journey in life. But very often, our head is not in the journey, our head is in the destination. But if you examine our lives, in reality, we are almost always between places. We're never quite where we were, but we're never quite where we were intending to be either. We're between two places. And you know, as, as we look at our lives, you can find that you know, things are constantly changing. We're, we change places physically, and we change in terms of time, we change relationally, we change emotionally, we change spiritually. We are constantly in a state of change. And it's to that that I want to speak this morning. I want to speak to this idea of us being between places. You see, because whether it is your age or whether it is your stage in life, very often we're not quite where we want to be. So like when we look at life stages, for instance, when we grow up, we might hit a life stage such as turning 18 or turning 21. It's a significant age. Or maybe we've got a college place and we think, yeah, that's a good destination. Or maybe we've just finished a college place. And, and that's, that's a great destination, wow. Or maybe we're going to meet someone that we want to marry. We're going to get married. Luis there who's celebrating happy birthday, he's getting married this year. He's going to arrive this year. But that won't be the end of their story. Can I get an amen? The surprise is ahead. Maybe when you buy a house. Maybe when you have children or grandchildren. Maybe that would be a sense of having arrived at a certain place. But the reality is, that despite some small milestones in our lives, we are almost always between mm -hmm. places. We're on a journey between two points in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Where will you be this time next year? You see, because this time next year, um, it's hard to get our heads into it. Where will I be this time next year? Well, I'll probably be doing about the same. If you had asked me last year at this time, where would I be this time next year? I would probably have said I'd probably be in church by God's grace and still be following the Lord. But I wouldn't have been able to take into account all the trouble yeah. and all the pain and the sorrow and the joys, the highs and the lows, the troubles, tro toils and snares through which I came. I would not have been able to take those into account. The reason I'm here today is because I made 365 decisions each day to be here today. Are you with me? And all of us are between places and we will get to God's destination and we may get to our destination one step at a time, one day at a time. 365 decisions that have to be made. I want to look at a man today who was between places. His name is Abraham. 
And Abraham, I'm calling Abraham because he would later be called Abraham. You see, he didn't even have his full name yet. He was between his full title and his full identity. But here is this guy, Abraham. I'm going to look at him in Genesis chapter 12. And he is not where God finally wants him, but he's not where he was either. He's not who he was, and he's not who he finally will be. And I think it's true for anybody who's been a Christian for any amount of time. You're not who you used to be, but you're not what you're going to be either. God has great plans and great purposes up ahead for you. Could I get an amen? Amen. amen? So we're going to look at this guy, Abraham. We're looking at Genesis chapter 12. And can we pray first? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father in heaven, I pray. As we look at your word this morning, may our ears be tuned to your Holy Spirit. Speak to your people, Lord. May we have ears to hear, not deafened by hassles or troubles or problems or distraction, Lord, but our ears listening to what your Spirit would say to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people say, Amen. So we're going to catch up with this guy. Now, many of you, most of you will have heard of this guy, Abraham. You'll have heard him, but we're going to look at this particular event at this particular stage where he was between places in his life. And this is where we begin Genesis chapter 12. This is what it says. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. That's quite the, de- that's quite the demand. Leave everything. Leave your native country. Leave the people that you know. Leave everything that you're familiar with. And go to a place that I will show you. And that's a big demand. Remember, he's not a young fella. He's not a teenager. He's an older man at this stage. And at this stage in his life, it's like, what? Like, pack up everything and go? He's living in a place called Haran, which is kind of in northwest, modern-day northwest Iraq. That's where he's living at the time. And the Lord says, pack up everything and go. Now, I know this. There are lots and lots of people inside in this hall right now. They were also in the earlier service. You have left your home, you have left your family, you've left your country to come to this land. And I want to declare over you, God is going to give you an inheritance in this land. God is going to make you fruitful in this land. And what he's doing in your life will pass down the generations in this land and bless this land. Can I get an amen? Amen. Here's what it says. I will make you into a great nation, God promised him. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God had a plan. And when you got up to stand up to go and leave Brazil or the Philippines or Germany or France or Argentina or Bolivia, God had a plan. And God has a plan to prosper you in the country he has brought you to. This is a good country for that to happen. Do you know that? Our Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, his father was an Indian doctor. He came to Ireland. And now his son is the Prime Minister of Ireland. People can grow and prosper and benefit in this nation. But moreover, the people of God. Can I get an amen? God has a plan. He has a purpose. And he's working according to his plan. He loves to bless his people. But look at the promise that Abraham gets. I will make you a great nation. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. But he first says this to him. He says, go to the place that I will show you. Now, if it was me, I'd say, yes, Lord, I'd love to go. 
but show me where to go and I'll go. And the Lord says, no, 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 go and I will show you. Say, no, no, Lord, if you show me, I will go. Like, like what, what's this one? Like, here, a blank map? What are you doing to me here? Like, if you show me, Lord, I'll obey you, just show me. But that's not what the Lord says to him. The Lord says to him, go and I will show you. Oh, because this was going to be a journey of faith. And look at the promise he gives him as he goes. This is, if you get up and you go, and all of this promise is predicated on this simple idea. If you get up and go, I will be with you. If you get up and go by faith, I will be with you. I love it says this. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed him. And Lot, his nephew, went with him. I don't know why he went with him. He just seemed to go with him. They were kind of a home at the camp. And Abraham says, I'm going. The Lord's after telling me to go near. And Lot says, can I come? Can I come? He says, all right, come on. You can come and so as well. So he brings Lot with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75. He was 75 years old. What? And the Lord said, he's built, he's built his whole life, 75 years. He's built a life, everything he's known for 75 years. And the Lord says, get up and leave it all and go to a place that I will show you. 75? Like if he was 45, he'd go, yeah, okay, he's got a good life ahead of him. He'll do well. But at 75, I'll be praying for a happy death. Come on. The Lord's not going to suddenly say to me, you just I speak for myself, John. But like, at 75, you're not thinking you're going to uproot everything and change country and change nation and change culture. You're not going to do that. But that's what God said to him. 75 years of age. I get up there now and I head away off. Like, off down, I'm going to go down to the promised land. Not you, John Abraham. I'm going to go away off down to the promised land there now. Imagine poor Abraham, like. And it goes on to say this. He took his wife, Sarai. His nephew, Lot. I don't know why he took Lot with him. He took the whole lot. Anyway. And he, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken to his household in Haran, and he headed to the land of Canaan. And there he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. No, you kind of go, what, what, what's, what's that? Yeah, they're Canaan, they're Canaanites. You see, here's the point. It's easy to change country. Actually, believe it or not, that's the simplest part. The hardest part is to live among the people of the country that you've gone to. Whether they're the Canaanites or the Carconians, they can be hard to live amongst, can't they? A people of strange tongue, can't talk very fast, you can't understand when they're how are you? And you can't understand them. And they have strange cultures and strange practices. Like, why do the people in Ireland thank the bus driver? Thanks very much. It's not like he went all of his way. What is it about the Irish? And so you come to this country, and I'm going to use you as an example. You come to this country, that's the easy bit. It's living among the Canaanites. That's going to be the challenging bit. Because I can tell you something about the Canaanites. They're different from the Carconians. The Carconians are nice, by. <laughs> the Canaanites weren't. They tend to do things like sacrifice their children in fires. Charming people read the Canaanites. What's the crowd next door to you like? Ah, do you know they're nice neighbors, but they tend to kill their children very often. They were not a nice people to live among. And that was going to be the challenge. That was going to be... The challenge, that's where it would take real courage to settle amongst a hostile people. And again, the Lord speaks to him. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Eshigi, listen up. Whether you were born and raised here, 
in Cork or whether you have come here from South Africa or South Georgia, it doesn't make a difference. This is what the Lord would say to you. I will give this land to your descendants. Amen. You may struggle here, but I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Amen. And you know, Abraham didn't get anything in this land, as it turns out. We'll go to that in a minute. It turns out that all he ends up with in the promised land is a grave. The grave he bought from a Canaanite at a place called Machpelah. That's the only land he ever owns there. But his descendants, aha, that's a different story. Because God's a blessing to his descendants was as good as a blessing to Abraham. Is there any parents here? Would you put your hand up if you're a parent? Am I telling the truth when I say a blessing to your children is as good a blessing to you? Yes. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Would you say amen if that's yes. true? Yes. Now, if you're a parent and you haven't said amen, I'm going to beat you up after church. <laughs> Abraham built an altar there dedicated to the Lord who had appeared to him. It goes on to say this. This is the important part. After that, Abraham traveled south. And he set up camp in the hill country between Bethel to the west and I, which is the way how you pronounce that name, I to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and worshipped the Lord. Here's the thing. Wherever you're from, if you're from Balfihan, Barcelona or Brazil, listen to me. Don't leave your faith at home. Amen. Bring it with you. Amen. Amen. Bring your faith with you. Abraham goes to a strange land, but he worships the same God. Amen. Hallelujah. He worships the same God. Even though the circumstances are different, and the surroundings are different, and the challenges are different, he worships the same God. He builds an altar to Yahweh the Lord. And he sets up a camp in an interesting place. And this is where I want to go. This is, this is what I believe God wants to speak to us, as it were, specifically from this morning. He sets up camp in this place here, a camp between a place called Bethel, and, which is in the west, and Ai, or I, is in the east, okay? So let me just show you a quick map here, right? So here's a map, here's a modern day Google map, because uh, Abraham's map wasn't available to me. Um, so here's a modern day Google map, and it shows the distance between these two places. Let me jump down here, can the camera still yeah, the camera can still see me. You see this place up here? That is Bet, it's called Betin here. This place here, see that? Yeah. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe you're sitting over there and you can't see it. But it's here, it's Betin. The one on the left is Betin. This one here, Karbat Tel Ai. That is the name. That's the two places where Abraham camps. And it's not a big distance between these two places. But he's camped here in the middle between these two places. But in actual fact, it's quite symbolic, the place that he camps. Because the place where he camps is the place that sets him with a decision and sets him with a choice. And the place where we camp sets us with a decision and sets us with a choice. Because I think, spiritually, many of us are camped in this place this morning. You see, Bethel over here means the house of God. That's the place here, it's called the house of God. On the other side, on the other side, camped on the other side of him, is a place called Ai, which means heap of ruins. And I think that for all of our lives, we're camped between these two spots. We're camped between these two places. We're camped between the house of God and the heap of ruins. And our lives will either grow over the next 365 days towards the house of God, or they will head towards the heap of ruins, depending on the choices and the decisions that we make. And so you have choices and decisions to make that you make every day that will make a decision for you. You stand in the middle too, just like he did. Just like he did. You see, if you look at this, if you look at the map, if I go back to the map, I won't for a second, but if you look at the map, you discover that these two places weren't actually that far apart. They were only three and a half kilometers from each other. So if you will, if Abraham stood here, he was 1.75 kilometers that way and 1.75 kilometers that way. He was halfway between the house of God and the heap of ruins. 
And that so often is our lives. We're faced with a choice. And almost every choice that we face and are challenged with in our lives is a choice between going to the house of God or to the heap of rules. Are you with me? Yeah. So the decisions we make every day make that decision for us ultimately. So it's the small decisions that we make every day we're taking a step. And here's the interesting thing that I find. That if Abraham was standing in the middle between, there's Bethel over there, there's I over there, and he decides, you know what, I think I head towards I. Do you see the first, the first step he takes, it's a small step. And you kind of go, yeah, well, he's not particularly moved. It doesn't make an awful lot of difference. And then maybe he takes another step. And then still, he's still kind of fairly in the middle. You see, this first few steps, the small steps we make, they don't seem to make much of a difference. Do you know if you decide you want to become fit, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to get ripped for the crack, all right? This is going ripped. Do you know what to get ripped means? It means to get all muscular and all that kind of stuff. Like that. So you decide you want to get ripped. The first day you go to the gym, you're going to feel like crap. You're going to feel exhausted. And you're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to look exactly the same. Exactly the same. Before, after, exactly the same. The following day, you're going to look exactly the same. You're not going to notice any difference. But if you keep doing it, for day after day after day, or week after week, you will notice a change over time. It's the same in our lives. It's those small decisions that we make that change us over time. Are you with me? Yeah? yeah. yeah? yeah. Let me give you an example. Imagine I decided to do drugs. I decided, you know what? I might be a Christian, but I'm going to start doing drugs. And I know you're thinking to yourself, that's exactly what Michael would say, actually. That sounds exactly like something he would do. So imagine I decide, you know, from now on, I'm going to have a J. I'm just going to have a joint every day, just, just, to, you know, just to take the edge off. I'm going to do cocaine. Mm. You see, if I did cocaine once, you wouldn't notice any difference. Would you? And nor would I. I wouldn't notice any difference. If I did cocaine twice or three times, probably wouldn't notice an awful lot of difference. It probably wouldn't get an awful lot of difference. But if I kept using cocaine, you'd notice it after a few weeks and months, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd start noticing me kind of scratching on yeah. the <laughs> Looking twitchily at bags of flowers, going, oh, I didn't know some that. You'd notice this, wouldn't you, very quickly? But not initially. Initially, the small decisions won't make any difference. And it's the same in all of our lives. Ah, it's just a little small thing. Is it? Because if you add up enough small things, you get a very, very big thing. Let me ask you a question. How do you build a house? One brick at a time. Just one brick at a time. Now think house of God or heap of ruins. How do you build a house? One brick at a time. That's how you do it. You don't just appear one morning and go, ha ah, I have my house, that's a miracle. No, it's built one brick at a time. Slowly but surely, one brick goes down. You think, that's only a brick. Yeah, but when you add all the bricks up, you get yourself a house. And it's really important that we realize that our whole lives are built on small decisions. Our whole lives. The whole value of our character, the direction of our souls are all built on small decisions. No, I said in the earlier service, I'll say it again. This is the first time I've spoken in 2024, and there's only one way to start any message in 2024, and that is to quote C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, your ripple of applause says more than I could ever appreciate. That means so much to me. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, good and evil both increase a compound interest. In other words, the good you did yesterday builds on the good you did yesterday, builds on the good you did yesterday. 
That is why the little decisions that you and I make every day are, he describes with infinite importance. That's why they're so flaming important, the small decisions. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point, which for, uh, you may be able to go on to victories you've never even dreamed of. One brick at a time, one small decision at a time. In Abraham's journey, in your journey, one step at a time towards the house of God and away from the heap of ruins. Because he's stuck in the middle. Here's Abraham. Abraham's, you know, he's an immature, he's 75, but he's an immature person spiritually. He knows the Lord, but he doesn't really fully follow all the ways of the Lord, as we'll see in a moment. But he doesn't know them all fully. So he's stuck there, and he's stuck in this tug of war. He is, in some senses, stuck in the middle of a wind. He's in the middle of a storm. Now, some of you this morning are stuck in a storm. Emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Relationally, I know that some of you this morning, you feel that the storm on the outside reflects the storm on the inside. And you're stuck in the storm. You're being blown around by the storm. But you know, I have good news for you. You need not be driven by that wind. You do not need to be driven by that storm. Because it is your choices and your decisions in the middle of that storm that will make all the difference in your life. Let me quote for you Helen Wilcox. She's an American poet. This is what she says. It's not the gales, but the wind that serve your sails that decides the way you go. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's the key. It's not the gales. You see, you can be driven by your own desires, the wind of your own desires. You can be pushed by the wind of culture, just like Abraham was being pushed. You can be pushed by society. You can be pushed by your hormones. You can be pushed by the rush of blood to your head. You can just be pushed by all of these things around you. But that's not what will decide your fate. It's the set of your sails. If you just decide to go before the wind, you will be shipwrecked. But if you say, Lord, no, I'm going to put up my sails. I'm going to catch the wind of your spirit and I'm going to turn this boat around. Amen. Because if you look at a yacht race, you see them racing out. They go around fast in an island. So the ships, there's a faster race every year. So the yachts sail across from England and they sail towards the faster rock off West Cork. And they go out around fast and the winds that's blowing, they turn around the lighthouse and they head back in. The wind hasn't changed direction, but the boat has. You see, the fullness of this poem says this. One soul goes west, the other goes east by the self-same winds that blow. It's not the gales, but the set of the sails that decide the way you go. You can go west to the house of God or east to the heap of ruins. It's your choice. It's your choice. You're not being forced by circumstances. You're not being forced by, by uh, the winds of culture, the winds of society, the winds of your hormones, the winds of your desires. You have choices to make. Can I get an amen? Amen. See, Abraham has to make a choice too. And then he starts making some choices. He hits a crisis in his life. Has anybody here ever hit a crisis in their lives? Hands up. Lava suits, come on, come on, come on. Anybody who hasn't had a crisis, please pray for me after church. Lay hands on me. I would love you to lay hands on me. Every one of us has had crises in our lives. And now Abraham hits a crisis and he has a choice to make. The crisis... He responds to it by heading to a place called Egypt. Egypt is very symbolic in the Bible as being a symbol for the world's ways of doing things, not God's ways of doing things. But let's see what the scripture says about what Abraham, you see, I love it. 
Abraham was a human. Anybody here not a human? Anybody here not a human? Great, everyone's human, so we're all on the same page. Abraham was a human being, and he made mistakes like you and I make. This is what it says. At that time, there was a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt. Circumstances drove him there. Where he lived as a foreigner. Now, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, his wife, Sarai, look, sister, you hot. <laughs> I'm trying to get it in the original Hebrew if I can. He said, listen, Sarah, you are a very, very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let us kill him so that we can have her. Abraham, what? Seriously? Is that how you think people behave? So then he says, so please, tell them you're my sister. And then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Huh? Any husbands in the room? Anybody want to try this at home? This man was a professional. Don't attempt this at home. You will end up with a belt of a shovel across the back of your head. Buried in a shallow grave. What happened to Michael? Don't know. He was here last Sunday. Said something to Elman on the way out the door. He just disappeared. He's gone wandering. Imagine that. This man of God to whom God has appeared, says to his wife, pretend you're my sister there, will ya? Because I don't want to get killed by those fellas because you're so hot. And then guess what happens? Sure enough, Abraham and arrives in Egypt and everyone said, would you have a gawk at her? I'm staring at the ceiling, no, okay? In case any woman says, I was, he was looking at me in the service. No, I'm looking at the ceiling, the blank ceiling. Would you have a look at her when the... Par the pa when the pa when the Paris when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh. Take a look at her, and they said they, they sang her praises to the king, and they said, Master, there is a woman has arrived in this country. <laughs> Trust me, you want her in your harem. <laughs> and Pharaoh went, Oh, very interesting. When then Pharaoh, he says, and then Pharaoh the king. <coughs> And Sarai, they sung his praises to Pharaoh the king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Now when you see taken into his palace, it wasn't like she gave, like Tom referred to a while ago, a nice little room somewhere in the palace. Here you go now. Like herself and Pharaoh were going to be really close buds, and they were going to compare Instagram stories. No. Sarah was going into Pharaoh's harem. He was going to become one of his wives for the purposes of his satisfaction. And then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts. Look how blessed Abraham is. Look, I've been blessed. I sold my children and my wife and got all this money. Hello? Abraham, Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. He gave a dowry for Abraham's wife. He sold his wife. <coughs> Praise the Lord. It's great to see all the really good people in the Bible doing all the good things all the time. <laughs> but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and accused him sharply. 
what have you done to me? You see, Abraham was worried about what Pharaoh would do to him. But in actual fact, it's Pharaoh has the right accusation. What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say to me, she's my sister? No. And then you allow me to take her as my wife? No, then he said, here's your wife, Abraham, your wife, and get out of here. Be gone. Get out of the country. I want no more to do with it. And why did Abraham do this? Because he forgot the promise of God. He didn't walk in faith, he walked in fear. Do you think God was able to look after Abraham down in Egypt? I'm telling you he was able to look after Abraham down in Egypt. God had said, I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you. I will watch out for you. That's what God said he'd do. But Abraham takes things into his own hands. And it's just like that when we see circumstances in our lives that break out, that feel like they're out of our control. And we say, what can I do to solve this problem? Do you know what you can do? Hand it over to the Lord. Hand it over to the Lord. Hand it over to the Lord. Let him do it. And you know, here's the thing. Abraham was wrong about Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a lot nicer than Abraham thought he was. Pharaoh was a lot more generous and a lot more kind than Abraham thought he was. Let me say this to you. If you're facing a Pharaoh, if you're facing a boss or a troublemaker or a circumstance where somebody has power over you in your life, don't be afraid of Pharaoh. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Don't be afraid of Pharaoh. Trust the Lord. Amen. Don't be afraid of Pharaoh. Fear God and fear him amen. only. And so he sent back out. So we, we see this fantastic experience of his. Here's God's voice. He worships God. And yet still he falls. But thank God for amazing grace. Amen. For amazing grace. If it wasn't for amazing grace, not a single one of us would be here, brothers and sisters. Not a single one of us. But thank God for his amazing grace. The story continues in chapter 13. So Abraham left Egypt and traveled back north into the Negev. Along with his wife Lot and all that he owned. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And from the Negev they continued traveling by degrees. Little by little toward Bethel, toward the house of God. Little by little by degrees. And you see this, the, the, the bit in the middle that says, Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. We can go, oh yeah, look Abraham, he was blessed, like he was blessed. That's just a total aside in the original Hebrew. The other whole point is that like, like, despite all this, Abraham still prospered, but like he wasn't doing the right thing. He didn't do the right thing. And he wasn't blessed because he did the right thing. He was blessed despite the fact that he did the wrong thing. And that's how God's amazing grace works out in our lives. Because, do you know what? I heard somebody say, you know, Lord, we send our servant. This is a, it's not a funeral I heard years ago. We send our servant to you to get their deserving reward. And I thought to myself, if I get my deserving reward, I'm in serious trouble. Mm-mm-mm. God's amazing grace is there for all of us. Can I get an amen? amen? Wherever you are this morning, Trust in the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will rescue you. You need not be afraid of Pharaoh or any difficult circumstance. Neither Pharaoh nor famine you need to be afraid of because the Lord will be with you. But I like what it continues to say. It says they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ur, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abraham had built the altar. And there he worshipped the Lord again. Can you imagine his relief when he gets back to the place again and he builds the altar and he worships God again? Note this, we don't hear of Abraham worshipping the Lord or building altars to him in Egypt. 
Mm. Only in the place of promise. That's where he builds the altar before mm. the Lord. You see, Abraham, in all of this, forgot the promise that the Lord would be with him. You see, he said, leave the place where you're living and go to a place where I will show you. He didn't, he didn't spell it out for him. But you know what? I, I heard a quote just a while ago. And it says this. It says, you know, the scripture, the Bible, the, the, the Psalm 119 says this. That the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But it is not a crystal ball. It's not predicting your future outcome. That you put into the hands of God. Can I get an amen? And you decide on 365 days of every year and 366 in a leap year, just in case you could check in that one out. You get up and you follow the Lord and you make the same decision to follow and put God before you and make your way to Bethel. Okay. I want to go back to that first promise because I believe it is the promise not only for Abraham, but it is the promise for us as well this morning. It is the promise for all of those who inherit Abraham's promise. Because you know what? You are inheriting Abraham's promise here today, 2024 in Cork, Ireland. Amen. Did you know that? You're inheriting that promise Hallelujah. here today in this far-flung corner of the empire, a place where Abraham had never even heard of. And here we are today inheriting this promise because he said all nations will be blessed through you. Even the Irish will be blessed. Can I give an amen? amen. Even the Irish will be blessed because of Abraham's promise. That's what, that's what he said. All nations will be blessed through you. And you walk in that promise today. So I want to revisit that first promise as we wrap up this morning. Revisit that first promise and see what it means for us. Here's what the Lord said to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. When you think nation, think people, think tribe. That's what you need to be thinking. And God is saying to you today that he is going to make you into a great tribe. Can I get an amen? A great clan is going to come from you. It may not, it'll come from your children and from your children's children and your children's children's children right down the generations because his love extends to a thousand generations of those that love him and honor his name. Can I get an amen? I will make you. And he says, then I will bless you. Amen. Amen. Does anybody here want blessing? Me? Yes. I mean, yes. I want blessing. He says, I will bless you. My blessing is going to be upon you. My blessing of provision. My blessing of my presence. My blessing of my protection is going to be on you. I will bless you. And I will, it says, make you famous. Give you a name is what it actually means. It will give you a name among the nations. You will be spoken of. Tiago's great, great grandchildren say, what a great, great granddad Tiago. What a man of faith he was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or Juvie, they'll say, they'll say, they'll say Juvie, Juvie comes to Ireland from the Philippines. Marries an Irish man, pray for Juvie. Um, God remember Stephen more so. so. Can you imagine her great, great, great child grandchildren say, Do you remember great, great grandmother Juvie? She made a big decision. She left her father's house and her home and everything she knew. And she came to Ireland Woo! and God blessed her in this Hallelujah. land and gave her future and gave her generations because I will bless you, says the Lord. Heal it. If your ears are too clogged with your own problems, let me cut through. God wants to bless your life. Amen. Will you walk towards Bethel and experience the blessing of God in your life? Yes. Walk towards the house of God. And then he says, and you will be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a greater blessing when you give. In actual fact, the book of Hebrews says, the one who blesses clearly has more power than the one who is blessed. Yeah. Wow. There's actually a hierarchy to it that the, those who give 
are more blessed than those who receive, hierarchically even, in, in terms of power and influence, spiritual influence, social influence, emotional influence. People who give are stronger than those who just receive. Be a giver. Can I get an amen? amen. Give of your time. Give of your talent. Give of your treasure. But be a giver. Be a giver. And you will be a blessing to others. It will overflow out of your life, Abraham. It will overflow out of your life. That's what's going to happen. When God fills you with blessings, you will be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. So let me sum it up in this simple way for you. This is for your life. This is for your life. This is what it says. God is working in you to make you a great nation. He's working in you. Philippians chapter 2. I think that should say 10, not 2, 1. It is, says, it is God who gives us both the desire and the power to do his will. That means he's doing it. It's in us. You think that tough decision about whether you should follow God's way or follow the world's way? You know, like, that's, that, that, that decision is only in there because of God's work in your soul. I read a great quote by a, by a, by a French um, Christian who lived in the 17th century guy called Brother Lawrence. And he, 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 what, a, what a mind, what a mind. He said, he said, you know, when I sin, when I fall, and we've all sinned, by the way, just for the record, when I sin and I go to the Lord, I ask for his forgiveness, but I also give thanks. You know, give thanks for sin. And he says, Lord, I say to the Lord, Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, I'd be like this all the time. Yep. Yep. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there would be no fight going on in your life. If there's a struggle going on in your life, it means the Spirit of God is at work in you. That's what it means. If you're struggling between the house of God and the heap of ruins, it means that God's at work. Hallelujah. 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 God is working in you. Then he says, God is working for you. To bless you. He's working for you. He's going ahead of you into that interview into that meeting with that landlord, into that meeting with that doctor. God is going ahead of you into that conversation with your neighbor, into that conversation with your wife after you do the Abraham trick on her. God is going ahead of you and he is working for you. Can you imagine that? You get up tomorrow morning and you get up to go to work tomorrow morning. You go, oh, I have to go to work today. Remember this, God is working for you already. Hallelujah. He's working for you. For your best, Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. If you're chasing the wrong thing, God's not going to work it out for you. Amen. Amen. And then lastly, he says this, God is doing his work through you. And through you, you will be a blessing to the other nations. You see, for some of us here, I, I know this because I'm one of some of us here. I know this, for some of us here, it'll be a case of saying, Lord, do your work in me. I see this needs to change. I see this pattern in my life that needs to be broken. Lord, do your work in me. Give me the desire and the power to change my ways. Give me the desire and the power to follow your way for my life. For some of us here, that's a reality. We need God to change us. For some of us here today, we may have hit a roadblock. We may be in a crisis. We may be in a storm. And we need God to work for us. Lord, if you don't deliver me from this situation, I don't know if I'm going to survive. Lord, if you don't open the door in my life so that I can have accommodation and a roof over my head, I'm going to be on the streets. And I know that that's not your will, Lord. Yep. Remember to pray according to his will. We'll go into that a bit more next week. Anyway, uh, you see, God is working for you. He's at work for you. Some of us here need that opening, need that breakthrough. God is working for you. Can I get an amen? amen. He's at work for you. And lastly, there's those, who, those of us who say, Lord, do your work through me. 
That's what I pray every day. Lord, do you work through me? It might be stupid. I might know what it is. Take these silly words of mine, these weak actions of mine, and use them to advance your kingdom. Use them, Lord. As weak and as faltering and as fallen as they are, please use them, Lord. But to experience all of this, you need to take the steps towards the house of God and away from the heap of rewards. You need to take the steps towards God's plan and purpose in God's house and away from the heap of ruins that our lives will become if we walk away from them. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to sing the song, Christ is my firm foundation. And then we're going to look. Let me look at this last scripture. Actually, you might grow up the song if you would, Benny. Here, let me have a look at this last verse because it's all my faith, brothers and sisters. From first to last, my faith. Here's what it says. My faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. He realized that this wasn't the final position that he was going to be in. He was between places all his life. In a foreign country, he lived in tents because he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was heading to the house of God. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Christ is my firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand, where everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he never lets me down. Faithful through job give me an opportunity with that girl or that guy 
Maybe it's as simple as that. If your prayer is, Lord, I, if I don't get your deliverance in this situation, I don't know what I'm going to do. If your prayer today is, Lord, will you do that work for me? If that's your prayer, will you raise your hand? Give me already. Have your hand up. That's okay. You can add your hands. Lastly, if your prayer is, Lord, will you do your work through me? Through me. Lord, use me in every situation I'm in, my work, my home, with my neighbors, with my relatives, with my children, with my grandchildren. Use me. If that's your prayer, will you raise your hand? No, I'm going to ask you to do something on a windy, stormy day, because we have a minute or two to spare. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. We're going to pray together and make this a very real prayer and make this a very real cry before our very real maker. Lord, I thank you. 365 days ago you knew where we would be today Lord and we thank you for the events, the ups and downs, the trials and tough times we've had Lord in the last 365 days and yet here we are today Lord in your presence in your house Lord on a day when half the population of the country has been told to stay at home we said no we're going to go to the house of God Lord today we want to make that prayer real for everyone who's kneeling here today, Lord, I pray that we would every day in the next 365 days, Lord, take another step towards the house of God and away from the heap of ruins. Can I get an amen? Lord, today we declare we will not be driven by the gale force of culture, our society, our desires, our, of our hormones, our, of our emotions, but we will be driven by the wind of your spirit this year, Lord. By the wind of your spirit, Lord. Lord, for all of us who are on our knees, and I'm on my knees for all of them, Lord. Lord, first of all, we pray, will you do your work in us, Lord? Will you do your work in us, Lord? We're not what we were. Oh, hallelujah, we're not what we were. But oh, hallelujah, we're not what we're going to be. Hallelujah. We are going to be stronger and stronger. We are going to be changed from glory into glory. We are going to become more like you as we continue to follow you and continue to put you first. Do your work in us, Lord. Give us strength to resist the patterns that come against us. Give us strength to resist the waves that crash against our bow, Lord, we pray. Lord, will you do your work for us? Lord, for many of us here today, Lord, it may be as simple as a roof over our head, a job that we need for provision, maybe a child that we love that needs to be rescued. Whatever it is, Lord, will you do your work for us, Lord? Will you do your work for us, Lord, and go ahead of us into every situation we face in this coming week, in this coming month, in this coming year. Go ahead of us, Lord, and do your work for us, Lord. Lord, that we may bring back, as it were, a bounty of testimonies of the goodness of God, the provision of God, and the protection of God from our lives. Would you say amen? amen. Lord, we pray, would you do your work through us? Do your work through us, Lord. Lord, whether it is for the people that sit at our table, in our dining room, or in our kitchen, or the people that sit at our table in our canteen, or the people that sit at our table in college, Lord, or in our work situation, Lord, whether it's just for those people, Lord, we pray, do your work through us, Lord. Lord, will you give us good stories of your kindness so that we can share those stories, Lord. We won't be silent about the goodness of God. That, that we will be able to sing along with the singer who sings, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. 
with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Lord, we commit our lives. We commit our homes. We commit our circumstances. We commit our situations. And we commit our storms. Our storms into your hands, Lord. And today, Lord, we choose to set our sail and not be driven before the game. We set our sail to the purposes and the plans and the destination of our great God. Let us this year, Lord, be 365 days closer to the house of God, we pray. This time next year, may our households, may our workplaces, may the places where we study be 365 steps closer to the house of God. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name of God's people say, Amen. Amen.